the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. Glad to have you join us. Danny Smith, my co-host, is here with me. Danny, how are you doing this week? Hey, Ben, I'm doing fine. Not too bad at all. And, uh, yeah, enjoying life, man. So this is our first time recording since Easter. Did y'all survive the big day at church? We did. It was a really good day. I think, you know, we can join with a a lot of other uh, folks' testimony, a lot of church testimonies. It was a good day to see a lot of people back for the first time in a year. It was good to just have people in the building and just a really good spirit and yeah it was really great how about y'all we had a good day it was yeah that excitement of having everybody back on campus for the most part and just kind of felt like old times a little bit so it was fun kind of a turn a corner uh to the next chapter of coming back from covid but uh, i think we have survived it and uh, you know, we survived the holiday, and that's kind of a good segue. We're going to talk a little bit today about surviving in ministry, especially in times of transition. We've got a great guest who's going to be with us today. But, Danny, before then, why don't you tell our listeners about our sponsor? Well, we are so thankful for Central Baptist College. They've been such a great sponsor for us, and they know that uh, if you need a college degree but don't have the time, the Pace College Degree Program at Central Baptist College in Conway, Arkansas, has a proven in-class, online, or hybrid course format, multiple degrees to fit your busy schedule. CBC knows that you uh, can't quit your job. They understand that. they can't. You can't quit your full-time job, which is why they've developed a flexible format that's helped adults for 20 years earn their degree while working full-time. So here's how you can get started. Go to cbc.edu slash online. You can apply for admission. You can request a virtual meeting. And a personal enrollment counselor is going to help you enroll in your classes that you need. So visit cbc.edu slash online today. Uh, You can start earning your degree. You can reach your goals. And you can learn how to survive these tough times in ministry that we're going to talk about today. And, uh, you know, I don't know that sometimes, Ben, when we think about those tough times, those transitions, or just really staying faithful, uh, I think today's guest is going to help us. Um, with that, understand that, and uh, I'm excited to uh, to hear what uh, he has to say. That's right. We've got Chris Franco with us today. Thanks for joining us. Now, Chris, I've always just known you as Taco. That's what you go by, right? That's it. So, Chris, or Taco, thanks for joining us today. Now, you uh, have been, I've known you for several years, and at your church, you've, surviving may not be the best term, but you've gone from a, you've transitioned a lot with several pastors as a chair two leader who has stayed in that chair two through several pastors, some difficult situations. And I'm not going to dive into all that with your church, but tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So, um, I am a minister here at Friendship Baptist Church in the outskirts of Conway, more on the, uh, inner side of Valonia, Arkansas. And, uh, I've been here nine years. I'll start my 10th year in September. Um, during that transition, I've been through through through, through uh, three pastors, and um, I'm currently uh, in a position where uh, on our last pastorate that we just hired, um, Sean Mills, uh, I was the only uh, surviving, if you will, um, staff member here. So the whole entire staff turned over. God moved people to uh, take senior pastor leads. They moved to 
other ministries. And so um, it was quite interesting during that time of transition. Now, from your first pastor, that was a long-term pastor, too, who had kind of he had been there a long time moving to that next pastor, correct? Yes, he had been here for uh, just a little over 23 years, and um, uh, the people were um, extremely fond of him, and the relationship that he had built over 23 years um, were uh, very deeply rooted, and so, yes. And so, since then, you've gone through two transitions. I, I have. I've gone through two transitions. Uh we hired another pastor, and uh, he was here for about a year, and then we went about another year and a half without a pastor, and uh, we are currently um, uh, in a really, really fruitful season right now with uh, our last uh, pastorate here, so our, our current pastorate. Now, during part of that term, you pretty much were the only staff member during a large chunk of that time, weren't you? I was. I was the only staff member for about uh, a year and a half. Um, and then, um, uh, so two years I served here by myself in and out of the office as the only full-time minister. Yeah. And your primary role is youth ministry. And so I was hired here as a youth minister and that has been my primary role. And still there. It's still here. Yep. Hey, Taco, you know, one of the, uh, one of the great things, uh, over the last couple of years is just seeing you uh, not only be that youth minister, but like you said, you really stepped up and uh, I filled in one Sunday while y'all were in transition. And one of the things I noticed was just your heart for your church and heart for your people and, um, you know, just the way you were leading them. And, you know, it kind of stuck in my mind there that, uh, you know, you might be, uh, and of course, this is a chair two leader podcast, so you may be in a chair two, but boy, you really demonstrated a pastor's heart there. So I just want to commend you on that. I saw that just briefly, a little firsthand there, and uh, I know that couldn't have been easy. When you were um, hired nine years ago, um, what were some of the pastors maybe that you had growing up or um, maybe served elsewhere, did something else that might have uh, prepared you for walking through that season of you know, your long-term pastor retiring and then maybe not expecting to go through a two or three year process of, of trying to find the right guy. Um, what were some of the things that helped uh, shape you for that, get you ready for that? You know, I was uh, extremely blessed as a, as a young man. Um, my dad is actually a pastor in Naylor, Arkansas. And so I grew up in the, uh, I guess, in the culture of just church ministry. Um, my pastor growing up was uh, Pastor Eddie Flowers. Um, he's now gone to be with the Lord, but um, I was just very fortunate that he uh, had a heart for discipleship. He had a heart for uh, evangelizing and mission. And um, as a 12-year-old boy, he took me under his wing and he began to show me a lot of ministry. And um, to be just truthful about it, I was called to ministry at 15. I surrendered to that call and uh, I just just remember the opportunities that he gave me and the trust that he had in, it, with me. And um, I just learned a lot of ministry from his shepherding. He was a great shepherd. As um, at the time, there was this very small church, but we had 13 young men called to ministry with about a five-year period. I was one of the last to be called into ministry. And uh, man, he just really spent a lot of time investing in those men. And um, I was just the young boy amongst these men holding the holding the standard uh, extremely high and just we got to be prepared for battle is what I just hear echoed in my mind. Um, I had a Sunday school teacher named Al Wallace. 
um, here in Conway. If you ever walk on the Tucker bike trail, there's a bench in the memorial of him um, that is placed there. His name is Al Wallace. He's now been with, gone with me with the Lord. And man, he just distributed character and integrity that um, I just really always wanted and strive to have. Uh, whether it be in the trenches of cleaning the toilets in the church or uh, on the stage preaching and leading. So however it was, uh, they just gave everything they had to the Lord, and um, they were just an honor and a privilege to be able to serve them. Do you think, a couple things you mentioned there, character and integrity, do you, do you think those are a couple of the keys to being able to survive transitions well? Because if you look at church statistics, when, when pastors, chair ones leave, it's usually not very long before chair twos, there's some turnover as well. Yeah. Do you think those are a couple of the keys that allowed you to survive those transitions? Yes, I think it's so. I think that um, it is something that... Um, the character and integrity that um, was just an example that I saw as a kid, um, and I saw, I just saw so many, and where I grew up in Brookside Trailer Park here in uh, Conway, Arkansas, just a, a very interesting place that the people that made it out of that trailer park and strive to go on to do great things. It was the people that didn't allow the culture to shape them, but that they were true to who they were and stood for character and integrity. And so I think that's one of the the key attributes that um, as you sit in the second chair, especially if you're in transition, that uh, you've got to stay true to who you are and who, what God's called you to do. And uh, don't get prideful because there's going to be success, but there's always going to be failure. And so just understand that all good things come from God. And so... I think that is a I think that is a big key. Yeah, and when you're when you're leading, because a lot of times in that chair too, you may be called upon to perform chair one tasks when you're the only person there in leadership. But maintaining that integrity and character and being above board on everything you do that whole time is going to go a long way yeah. in the future and being able to survive that. I believe. Yeah. You know, one of the things I, I love that you said, you mentioned a couple of guys by name, and I think this is where the beauty of that local church can come into play. You mentioned a Sunday school teacher. You mentioned a pastor. You mentioned, you know, here's the 13 guys in a, a five-year stretch. And I think a lot of churches would love to see that kind of influence and impact. And so, you know, it's an encouragement, I think, to uh, – churches that may be listening to this to go, hey, you can have a real impact on that kid coming up and they can look back. You know, it's easy in a celebrity uh, ministry culture that you can find on Twitter or other stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, it's that day by day and being, you, you talked about it, that integrity, that character that these guys showed you, these people showed you and modeled for you. And, you know, it really encourages us and whatever chair we're in um, to say, you know, can I be that kind of guy? Can I, you know, I, I really want to stay close to the Lord so that I can maybe one day, you know, have some guys say those things. Um, that sounds kind of prideful, but you know what I mean? To be able to say, hey, we invested in these kids, man, and, and look what God uh, did with their life. And uh, of course, that's the story of ministry. I think a lot of people can use that, but I love those everyday people that you talked about showing. And so how has that shaped uh, a little bit about how you go about your youth ministry work? You know, when you think of Mike, when you think of, you know, Ed, when you think of these others, um, what over the years, um, how is that shaping how you interact with the, the students that you work with, the families that you work with? And then when you walk through that season where you were chair one, chair two, chair three, and everybody else, how did that all impact it? Uh, maybe in some real practical ways. Yeah, I think that one of the things that um, I think if you were to take a just a sit down uh, roundtable discussion with 
some of our leaders in our, and not, I'm talking about students in our youth ministry, I think that one of the things that they'll take away is we're fixing to graduate a group of seniors that also transitioned with me um, because they were here in the, in the trenches as well, is that they, they saw a transparency in me. Um, and I was okay to show that. I was okay to show that, hey, there's good days, there's bad days. Um, as Paul told Timothy to preach the word in season and out of season. And just to be frank with you, those transitions aren't always an easy transition. There was moments that um, on Wednesday night that um, my, my, uh, my calendar was full and uh, my tank was empty, but uh, my job was to uh, go and give a message to those students. And I wasn't scared to tell them, guys, today's going to be uh, uh, an interesting night. Um, I'm tired a little bit. And uh, just the transparency that I had with them, um, I think that they would know that. Um, one of the things that we really instilled in those guys is that uh, as Joshua, as we see the story of Joshua, Joshua was proven for battle. He was a servant before he was a leader. And so just showing them how to serve well uh, before they go into these leadership positions. And so I think that if you were just to take a whole um, holistic approach to what we saw and what we experienced here at Friendship. It's going to be one of the things that they showed you is that, um, man, we just got to show ourselves in battle. And so Joshua didn't always lead. He was a servant to Moses first. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, I can't imagine the fatigue of having to carry all the hats every day and in and out and then still do your regular job the church has called you to do as well. What are a few of those other challenges that you saw on the day-in, day-out basis of being the only leader who's there all the time? Yeah, I'd have to give, I'd have to give a lot of credit to my wife. Um, my wife was really a, a pillar during the seasons of my life. I have a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and in most of these transitions, my youngest daughter, um, she, um, she was a baby. And so there were many nights that she held the fort down without me because I was either counseling or administering or hospital visits or uh, whatever the, the role of ministry may have been. But uh, she was completely and honestly, she's been a, a trooper through this whole thing to be able to uh, let me um, really fulfill the call that God's put on my life. And so I think that was one of the biggest things. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I mean, we We've talked on this podcast before about how our wives really are kind of that ongoing chair to leader always. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that's great that, that you give a shout out to her and certainly, you know, helping you that uh, when, you know, and for a little context, um, you know, here where I serve at, we're, we're a little bit of a smaller church. And so it's not unusual for one guy in a, a church my size to, you know, kind of wear all the hats and stuff like that. You know, but Taco, the thing that I think that maybe people need to know is that friendship is is really not, um, I mean, it needs more help than one person can give. Uh, Y'all's attendance and, and just your scope of ministry and stuff like that. So I really want um, folks listening to know that when we talk about you wearing kind of all those multiple hats, that uh, there might be some guys going, well, gosh, we do that all the time, you know, at my church. But, you know, the church that you're at is, is a little bit bigger. It requires... Uh, far more and then one person can give. So maybe somebody's listening to this and they're in that chair too. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, just kind of, you know, looking at greener pastures or dreaming of greener pastures. Talk about that endurance. You know, you talked about your wife, talked about these guys, but you know, what, what would be something a, uh, a chair two leader could do just to prepare now quietly, inwardly, uh, about just how to endure, how to build that character and really just how to, 
I mean, goodness, go make a hospital visit. Go, you know, uh, go help in a deacon's meeting, whatever it may be that maybe wasn't on your job description. So what are some ways that you would encourage guys to, to, to really prepare for that? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things is that uh, during those transitions, you can get really busy. And um, what I learned about a year into this transition is that God didn't call us to be busy. He called us to be fruitful. And you can get uh, very tied up in the day-to-day routine thinking that the church kind of holds onto your shoulders. And there are moments that uh, decision-making is difficult. But um, in this process, um, I think that staying in the Word is important. Staying in in a true prayer time and wallowing out that time in your schedule to make sure that uh, you're doing what God's called you to do. Um, One of the things that I've learned in my ministry is that Uh, The measures of a man's greatness is not how many people serve him, but how many he can serve. And so if we can just keep serving people and keep loving people, um, I think that uh, it helps you tremendously. And if I could just canvas the whole thing, I think that uh, one of the things that if you're in this position and you're in this second chair in transition or you are the second chair, you got to stay humble. Because the grace of God comes through those who are humble. And so um, we know the scripture where it says that uh, he gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. And during this transition, the last thing you need is God's resistance against you because you just got too prideful. It says, look at me. Look at all the hats that I'm doing. Look what all I'm doing. And um, it's easy to do because church people are encouraging people. Um, and sometimes they can it can get to your head. <laughs> And uh, there were moments in my season that it got to my head a little bit and God just had to say, hang on just a second. This isn't you giving the increase. This is me. And so that's a good word. Now, was your church supportive? Did they kind of rise to the occasion as well? And how did you move them and call them to that? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I think that one of the biggest things is, is that they kept on asking what I needed um, and how can we help you? And I had a group of men that um, I met with that they just fervently prayed. They prayed that um, I would stay humble. They prayed that uh, when our pastor came, that the church would accept him and that they would accept his leadership and his vision um, because it's hard to cast vision in that midst too because you are stirring the ship. And in my position, I didn't know how long that was going to be. And so uh, just knowing that we're setting vision, but the vision and the mission was we're just going to focus on making disciples of Jesus Christ day in and day out. Because our next pastor, he has to follow underneath that mission because this is the commission that God's given us. And so we stay true to what what uh, what Jesus has told us in Scripture and not what Taco wanted or not what a group of uh, men in our church wanted or what we wanted. It was what God wanted, and that was to love him and to love people the best way that we possibly can. Yeah, one of the things I, I find is difficult, even though when there are people who will come in the church and say, hey, how can we help? Sometimes our own pride helps keeps us from letting them do that. I mean, there takes a little bit of humility just to let other people do stuff because there's are some things sometimes we think, well, I could just do it quicker. I could do it myself and do it the way I want it done or it needs to be done better. But that's not necessarily the best way to do it. God has put everybody in the church to help accomplish the work of the ministry and we need to let them come along and help especially in these times when it's a transition and maybe we're understaffed or there's not a chair one letting the people help carry the mantle of leadership in the church requires some of that humility but it's going to be a good thing going forward 
Yes, I agree. So, Taco, let's talk a little bit um, now maybe about the, the second part of that transition. So, uh, you know, you, you now have a pastor, and uh, like you said, you're in a really fruitful season. So no doubt your role has yet again changed um, just by the nature of things changing. So talk a little bit about the other side of it now. You have a guy in place. The Lord seems to really be blessing and, and putting uh, some approval on that. So, um, you know, it's it's always one thing for the chair one guy to give his you know, take on how things have changed. But, you know, now that you've kind of, you're back on this other side of having a a guy in place, what's that looking like for y'all's church and your ministry and your family? Yeah, it's been great. Um, And I'm just going to be transparent on this podcast. I don't know any other way to do this. The, The truth is what we need. And so I'll tell you this, coming into this transition of having a pastor, uh, it was encouraging. It was uh, intimidating um, and it was a little bit uh, n- nerve wracking, if you want to use that terminology and the fact that uh, you just didn't know what was going to take place. And when you have that pastor uh, that comes in, the thing that comes across your mind is, is he going to clean house or he's not going to clean house? And so it crosses everybody's mind. And so um, just catching on to the vision and stuff like that. But uh, it's been good. Um, it's, it's allowed me to spend some time with my family, some time that I lost with my family during the transition. Um, we had, uh, uh, I have a youth associate now. And so, um, I'll tell you this, one of the things that I learned the most and the things that as we are on this side of the defense is that, um, I see how much I grew during the battle of the seasons. And as I look at those things, sometimes that you grow and you don't realize it because you're in such a, a rush, um, but when you come back to the fold and you say, hey, man, there's some things that I would have done much differently a year ago than now. You see that God is growing you. He has equipped you for a season such as this. And so I will tell you that uh, this side of the fence is a lot better than not knowing where we're going <laughs> week to week. <laughs> Boy, you bet. Yeah, I, you you have a different kind of fear, right? You have a fear of like, hey, where is this going week to week? And then like you said, a little bit of, okay, new guy coming in, what's his going to process? And so, you know, there's that integrity and character and fortitude, but sometimes you just got to, you got to lean back and I say sometimes again, that's probably not the right choice of words, but you lean back into your faith going, so Lord, whatever now this next transition leads me to, hey, you've been faithful here. We know you'll be faithful moving forward. And so that's really exciting to see how God has worked out a lot of those details, but there might be some guys um, who are in that chair two, and there's been a change in chair one, and they're they're just not sure, they're not fearful. So, what's that communication um, with your uh, new pastor? What's that been like? Yeah, it's been great. We meet um, every day. We're just right across the hall from each other, and so um, we're transparent with each other. Um, I don't think that's going to be key, um, and it's okay to to sit down and um, just tell them how you feel, um, even if it's that moment of of questioning. Hey. Um, what's fixing to happen to me or what this looks like. Um, and so I think that we all um, are kingdom mindset to some degree. Some people are more kingdom mindset, but I think if the mission is right, um, the vision is right. Um, I think that the transparency has to be the key conversations that take place. It says, this is how I feel. 
Um, sometimes we as ministers have a tendency of bottling those things up because uh, we want to be supermen in front of everybody like we don't have bad days. But the truth is we all have bad days. We all have days of, of doubt. Um, the disciples, even uh, though they saw Jesus, they said some still doubted there in Matthew 28. And so um, I think it's okay to do some of those things and even question, hey, why are we doing these things and what do you see? Um, I think one of the biggest things, though, is learn how to serve well. Um, and that's, I think that's the conversation that you have to have. How can I help you? Um, a new pastor has visions. It has dreams. It has desires. Um, it has things that they've wanted to do. Um, Sean, this is his first pastorate. And so uh, I've told him this um, several times that I just can't imagine you've been on staff for 25 years and you always have those things in your mind that when I become a pastor, these are the things I want to do. And so my conversation with him is, how do I help you have those dreams to come to tuition? How can I help you? Because I can't even imagine the joy that you have of being able to uh, cast vision for yourself this time. And so I just want to be a part of it. I know you talk on, I know um, this probably just you're a very humble servant. And uh, this may not have crossed your mind, but I imagine for a lot of guys who find themselves in the situation, once they get that chair one leader back in place, and they're back in chair two, there are going to be some temptations to think, I could have done that better. And, and they've gotten that taste for the chair one leadership. And it's going to take some humility and some realization that you're back in chair two and you're not chair one. You're not even feeling those roles right now. And you need to understand your role and place and not try to um, be that leader or create a coup to become that leader. Um, because there are going to be people, people who trust you now and maybe even trust you more than that chair one leader initially because they know you. But you as a chair two, when that chair one comes in place, you've got to be the most vocal supporter and um, you know helper of that chair one, making them be successful. That's a large part of your role in that transition. Yeah, yeah that is true. So you got you just got to be careful not to allow pride to get in there and and cause you to stir up problems. And you know, yeah. Ben, as you were saying that, I was kind of and you hit on it. You alluded to it. You know, people pick up on that. You know, and it's just human nature to, you know, I mean, the Apostle Paul said, "Hey, some of you talk about Apollos, some of you guys talk about me." And you know, at the end of the day, God's the one that's bringing the fruit. And so, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, there's that humility that says, "Hey, I got to be the biggest champion uh, of this new pastor, and I'm going to be um, somebody vocal because I don't know. There's just there are times that people uh, can uh, kind of play on those that division if they sense that it's there. And uh, so, but again, you know, uh, the thing, Taco, that uh, you've really, really emphasized is that humility, that transparency. And, and it sounds like y'all are handling that uh, transition well and, and getting ready. So what's on the docket for uh, for friendship? What's on the docket for your youth ministry? What are you guys looking at? Y'all, y'all getting back into a... Uh, a season of ministry where you're thinking camp or you thinking mission trip? What are you guys doing? Yeah. So I'll tell you, let me just brag on uh, just a little bit in a, in the most uh, humble way that I know how um, <laughs> God has just done this tremendous work in the youth ministry this year. Uh, Sean hit the ground here uh, back in June and uh, we launched youth ministry back in the midst of uh, an un uh, certain COVID time back in August. And so we launched full throttle back in September um, I have a youth associate now that has been just phenomenal. Uh, his name is Jordan, and uh, he's just been phenomenal and uh, helping me just navigate through some extra protocols that we put in place. But uh, we've had 40 students come to Christ this school year from August to date. Uh, we've baptized 32 of those students already. 
Um, last night, we were able to lead another uh, young man to the Lord. And man, God has just been um, absolutely uh, just gracious to us. Um, uh, and just we uh, have a student leadership team that has gone over and beyond um, any expectations we could have set for them, reaching out to students, discipling through the week, um, doing in-home Bible studies. Um, as we're gearing up now for the summer, we're getting ready to go to camp. Um, looking forward to that. We're going to be a big influencer on VBS here, as it is one of our, uh, really our biggest evangelism tools that we have here. Uh, we'll have two or 300 students here, um, kindergarten up through sixth grade for our VBS here. Um, and it's just going to be a phenomenal season, and it has been a phenomenal season. And so that's kind of what youth ministry is looking like right now, but really gearing up for the summer uh, to really equip these guys to do some great work for, as many of these guys are going into their senior year at Bologna High School. So, As we try to wrap things up here, any just final advice for someone who might find themselves where they're the chair two leader, but all of a sudden they're the point person for their church? Yeah, I wanted, I, if I could do anything, I, I have, uh, I've read a lot, I've studied a lot, and Joshua has been one of those key figures in the Old Testament that I have looked at. And so um, if you're sitting in that chair uh, right now, I want you to know that um, Joshua wasn't always a leader. Um, he was very patient in what he did. And so uh, one of the things that I've written down is just uh, uh, waiting while God is enlarging your vision is difficult. It's extremely difficult. Uh, but in our rush to get things done, if you have extra hats that you're wearing, if you're doing extra things, um, we easily get ahead of God's timing. And so my encouragement to you would be don't get ahead of God. Um, I was just studying yesterday in Psalms 126, and the, the text says they're coming out of the Babylonian captivity. It says, and when the Lord restored. And often we use the analogy, well, Lord knows when we're going to get a pastor. Lord knows when we're going to make this transition. Lord knows when this. It's when the Lord, his timing is always the right timing. And stay stay true to your calling. Stay in your lane. Uh, do what God has equipped you, what he's gifted you at doing. Um, step up where you need to step up, but go back to the position that God has called you to. And um, and, and be careful who you listen to during those in those moments. People can stir you wrong. Uh, with with good intention uh, that they're trying to help you out, but um, we are human. The flesh is strong, <laughs> and uh, you can you can definitely get a prideful spirit. And so, if you pray for humility three times a day, I challenge you pray for it six times a day. <laughs> well, talk about if somebody is uh, going through this and wanted to get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, um, I'm at Friendship Baptist Church. Uh, you can reach out to me through email. Uh, my email is tacofranco underscore 32 at yahoo.com. Um, I'd love to connect with you. Um, you can reach out to uh, to you guys. Y'all have my contact information and uh, be more than willing to, to sit down with you, take you to lunch if you're here in the local area. Um, and uh, I just uh, love to just join you and pray with you and uh, just encourage you that uh, – the waiting is good. It's okay. You'll learn a lot. You will uh, be. You'll be happy that uh, you stayed in your lane and that you ran well. So that's that's yeah, good. Now it. take them to lunch. We always end with a, kind of some fun parts. Are you going to take them for tacos? 
Oh okay. yeah, I love tacos, especially <laughs> so this the... Tuesday. <laughs> That's so right. What's I your think favorite? That was the biggest question of all, really. So. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite taco, and where do you get it? Ooh, I would say my favorite taco right now is uh, there's a little uh, taco shack over here uh, in Conway. It's a little uh, it's a little uh, food trailer, and uh, they just got some fantastic street tacos. If you are uh, ever in the area, stop by and get one of those things. But uh, shout out to my mom. You'll never be able to beat my mom's tacos. So. <laughs> That's the good answer. Every hey, good he's a good staff member and he's a good son. Look at this. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, Taco, thanks for joining us. If you're listening, make sure you like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and comment. You help other people find that when you do that. And for Danny, my co-host, thanks for joining us this week. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.